The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have today in this Gospel is Luke's rendition of the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus starts with his Beatitudes. We can just start this reflection by understanding that when Jesus kicked off his great sermon in this way, he was wanting to get to the heart of the matter, literally. So Jesus was not interested in all of the external traditions or the fulfillment of those laws that were multiplied so many times over. He really wanted to get to the heart of the matter, the transformation of our hearts. So not so much the external law or the ethic, the ethics, but the ethos, the thoughts and the feelings of our hearts, the motivations of our hearts. As you go through these Beatitudes, It's clear that Jesus, God, is aware of what is happening to us. It's a rather implicit thing, but just listen to them again. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are now hungry, who are now weeping, who are hated and insulted, and so on. So so God knows what you're going through. He sees you. That's been on my heart a lot lately. That God sees us. He sees us for who we are. He loves us for who we are. Because he made us. And in light of today's gospel, we can also say that he knows what you're going through. He knows your past. He knows where you're at. And he also knows where he wants to lead you. But I think we need to know that he knows how we feel. He knows how we felt in those difficult moments in our lives. 
God attunes to us. He's tuned in to what we're thinking and feeling and what we're struggling with and what we're happy about and what we're dreaming about and what we're hoping for, what we're excited about. He cares about all of that. So it's not just about the externals. I think that's a great takeaway from today's gospel. And no doubt we all feel a lot of pressure to maintain a certain status quo and present ourselves well. But when we go to prayer, we don't have to be like that. We don't have to pretend when we go to prayer. God knows what's going on. So we don't have to pretend that everything's okay, that we have it all together. Because that really leads us into the very first beatitude. Blessed are you who are poor. And he's not talking about material poverty here. In Matthew's gospel, we get a little more specific. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's a promise for the present. If you look at all these other ones, blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. So he can't guarantee you perfect satisfaction in every way this side of heaven. But what he can promise you is if you are poor in spirit, if you are humble, if you are trusting in the Lord as Jeremiah was motivating us in that first reading today, then God will hear your prayer. He will visit you. He will be your friend, your true companion in this life. Today, now. What do we pray on Easter Sunday? This is the day the Lord has made, right? This is the day. Today is Sunday. We celebrate the Lord's day, the resurrection. It's the source of our hope. Jesus Christ, our living hope. And so we can rejoice in that, even amidst trials and tribulations and death. We can still have hope. So to be poor in spirit, let's unpack that a little bit more. I just said it means to be humble. It means to be trusting in the Lord. It means to recognize our own Need for God. Our own poverty, if you will. That we are, we are all radically dependent on God. And that's not a bad thing. Even though we tend to be resistant to any kind of neediness, dependency on others, the fact is we're all radically dependent on God for every breath that we take. For every beat of our heart. Think about that. If God were to stop thinking about you for an instant, you would cease to exist. So what does that mean? That means that God is thinking about all of us right now. He can do that because he's God. So he is thinking about you constantly. And he's caring about you constantly. And where you're at and what's happening to you. That's a pretty good thought, right? That's a consoling thought because, well, 
It might be for some. For others, it might be, oh, gosh, you know, I don't want God seeing me and thinking about me all the time. But be honest about that, too. Perhaps we need to have our image of God improved, restored, and perfected. I pray for that a lot. God, please restore and perfect the image that I have of you so that I'm not scared or ashamed to have you thinking about me all the time and caring about me. Because he's not a harsh taskmaster. He's not some demanding judge who's nitpicking every last thing you do. That's not who God is. He's a good, good father who wants to provide, who wants to care for us, and who wants us to know that we are known and that he is with us. That's why Jesus came. One of the reasons why he came anyway was to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus continues to be with us. He wanted to prolong his presence all throughout time. So that this transformation of the heart could be made possible. If Jesus were to just talk about this transformation of the heart, because as you go on in the Sermon on the Mount, there's some pretty challenging things that are said. Like, pray for your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. That's not a natural kind of behavior. Give to those who ask of you. If he asks for your, you know, tunic, give him your cloak as well, you know. Go above and beyond. Like, that's not a natural way of behaving. We don't naturally love one another in that way. When you look at the cross... That's a self-emptying kind of love. They call it agape. The Greeks had a word for that. Agape. Which was to give of yourself for the sake of the other. We don't do that naturally. It's only by God's grace that we can love like that. Or similar to that. So Jesus came to give us his body and blood. He came to baptize and confirm. He established marriage as a sacrament. Orders, holy orders, anointing of the sick. All of these, confession, reconciliation, all of these sacraments are ways that we get brought into communion with God and where he shares his very life with us, his grace, his power, his presence, his love. Without his grace, we couldn't do it. Plain and simple. So you could say that Christianity is a religion of grace. And when we pray... You may not explicitly express that or even think about that, but you're asking for grace. You're, at, you're, you're looking to heaven. You're looking to the God who is with you and asking him to share his life with you more and more. And so I would encourage all of you to ask for that vision, to have that kind of sight, 
to see yourselves the way that God sees you, to see one another the way that God sees you. Ideally, that's what husband and wife can do for each other. But again, you need God's grace for that. Because after living with each other for probably, what, three days? <laughs> you get to know each other's quirks, and, right? It requires God's grace to keep loving each other and to keep seeing the good and the truth and the beauty in one another. So again, let's ask for God's grace for that today for all of us. That we can see ourselves the way that God sees us and that we can see each other. And that even more and more our hearts can be united with the heart of Christ, the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. That our hearts could be united. And so that we could also feel with them how they feel about us and how they feel about one another. Each and every one of their brothers and sisters in Christ children of God, to be filled with God's compassion for humanity. Even when somebody is insulting you or making your life difficult, that's a grace. It's not easy. It's not a natural kind of thing. But that's how God has loved us. God is so patient and remember what the root of patience is in Latin? Patio, to suffer. So when Paul says that love is patient, he says love knows how to suffer one another. God certainly knows how to suffer us. But he doesn't do it begrudgingly. He doesn't resent us. Think about that. God doesn't resent you and your sin. He actually feels sorry for you. God feels sorry for you when you sin because he knows it separates you from him and that pains him, literally. It pains God to be separated from you. He's not angry at you. It pains him as it pains a parent to be separated from a child or husband and wife to be separated from each other. That's the heart of our God. That's what Jesus is getting at today in the gospel. So let's pray for that. Lord, we ask you for that grace today to see with you and to feel with you, to be more and more united with you and Mary as we walk this journey with you on the way to the Father's house. May we always know that you see us, that you care about us, that you know how we feel, and that you are here to help us each and every day in every way. Amen.